Welcome to the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast for Tuesday, November 1st. Hope all the listeners out there had a safe and wonderful happy happy Halloween, trick-or-treating with the family, with the kids, doing all that good stuff. But big news broke in the NFL, so we're going to dive into that right now for our listeners. Mark Schoolfield here with you. And of course, I'm talking about that big trade where the New England Patriots send in linebacker Jamie Collins to the Cleveland Browns for a conditional draft choice. To help us break that down, I'm joined by two of our contributors, David Archibald and Michael Nuttall, to break it down from both perspectives from both clubs. And I want to start with you, David, but I want to welcome both of you guys in. Thanks for hopping on thank you Mark. Great to be here david let's start with the patriots perspective here you've been following this defense for a while you've written a ton on the wing the patriots and their defense i'm sure most of our listeners have an idea of the role that jamie collins played for the pats d but for those that might not be as familiar with him what did collins bring to the table for this matt patricia bill belichick def- defense Well, Bill Belichick really values versatility in his players, especially as linebackers. And Collins is a guy, if you look at his college background at Southern Miss, he came in as a safety, and by his last year there, he was playing a a rush defensive end role. So he kind of played everywhere in the defense, and you saw elements of that in the way that New England deployed him. Sometimes he'd be playing... Uh, a zone, even a deep middle in a Tampa 2. Sometimes he'd be a man coverage. Sometimes he'd be doing typical key and react stuff. He'd rush, especially at the A-gap. So he's a guy that used in a lot of different ways. Now, there's been some sort of speculation that Collins' level of play this year might be at least in part the reason why this trade was made. Having watched the New England defense this year, was Collins playing up to par? So a guy like Collins, who is asked to do so many different things, he's got some weeks where he really shows up a lot on tape, and then other weeks where he doesn't show up as much. And it's always hard to know, is he not showing up because they're not asking him to do, you know, the blitzing, the the playmaking type uh, coverage skills, or is he not showing up because he's slow to keep him diagnosed? And I think that Collins is a little of both. Mike Lombardi, who was who worked with Bill Belichick in Cleveland and the last couple of years in England, he's kind of been uh, floating this idea for a while that uh, Collins wasn't really playing at the level and he was kind of inconsistent. From the tape that you've seen on him this year, do you think that you know any sort of you know, step back in his play was more because of what the Patriots have been doing on defense because it seems like a lot of what they've been doing is playing more coverage, dropping guys more in coverage, and not really getting after the quarterback. Do you think that it's more schematic, or do you think that there is something to Collins just taking a step back physically? Yeah, I don't know if it's a step back physically, but I think it's. I think maybe he's he's. Um, a guy who's got tremendous physical tools and when he can just play and and play fast and not have that much on his plate uh in terms of recognition he's he can make exceptional plays i mean he's as talented as anybody in the league six three two fifty he is the best in the combine the year he came out uh, he's a special athlete but you know when he's asked to kind of sit back there and play sound gap assignments and you know key and react that's not necessarily a strong suit and maybe just where New England is the defense that was more of the 
wrong this year. You know, another reason that's sort of been floated out there that could be behind this move is, you know, the, the play of Patriots rookie linebacker Landon Roberts. It seems like a lot of people on Twitter, like Lewis Riddick, for example, have highlighted that, look, maybe look at Roberts and he's an unexcited player and perhaps having him grow and step in so quickly gave New England the cover to make this move. Would you agree with that? And if so, what have you seen from Roberts that makes you think that that would be a reason behind this trade? I definitely think they like Landon Roberts. He was a sixth-round pick this year out of Houston, and he's sort of like the inverse of Jamie Collins. He's the guy who is sort of marginal size. He's 6'3", 35. He doesn't have that spectacular athleticism, but he might be more instinctive. Uh, and for Belichick, you know, there was a great... Uh, there was a really interesting article that came out earlier this year about Ryan Decker who was on the uh, ITP football think tank podcast he was a green beret who's helping uh, teams uh, kind of evaluate the mental side of, and the psychological side of football and he apparently met with Belichick and Belichick said that the number one thing he wants are guys who buy in so Landon Roberts is not the physical talent that Jamie Collins is but maybe he's a guy who buys in a little more to what New England is doing. Um, but also, if you look at some of the moves the Patriots have made the last 12 months, in addition to Robert, they drafted another linebacker who didn't end up making the team. David, kind of looking at the Patriots almost from a philosophical standpoint, you've written a lot on sort of how Bill Belichick values players. You've done a lot on you know, v- the valuation the teams make when they construct rosters. Do you think this Collins move is also just really fits in with what the Patriots do, philosophically speaking? You know, he's up for a new contract. There's concerns whether they're going to franchise him or Dante T- Hightower. So when you just take a, back, take a step back from the X's and O's of this, do you think that this is just a move that Belichick has to make because this is the way he does business? Yeah, I mean, we've seen this before, you know, Richard Seymour, Lawyer Malloy, Randy Moss, uh, Logan Mankins. So, you know, from that standpoint, this is sort of business as usual. And I think um, they've got a bunch of guys coming up for free agency. Uh, the other linebacker, Dante Hightower, you've got uh, Martellus Bennett, you've got Malcolm Butler. So... A lot of these guys are going to need deals, and they don't have room for all of them. And I think, like with the Chandler Jones deal this offseason, uh, I don't know if Belichick was really keen on having a guy there as, as kind of a link duck. Michael, let's turn to you. You're our sort of our resident Browns fan, our Browns insider for Inside the Pylon. And I had you on the podcast a couple of weeks ago talking about this Browns team and where they were both offensively and defensively. I mean – Let's revisit in the week since that Patriots game. How has this defense been playing, you know, on the field? So I think um, if we, like, look back to, like, what we talked about just a couple of weeks ago, I mean, that's been three games. Um, you're starting to see a team that's starting to figure it out a little bit in the pass rush. I think at the time I talked about that they were almost dead last in uh, sacks on the season. They're tied for 21st right now, so they're starting to improve. You're seeing guys like Emmanuel Agba. Um, really start to figure it out. I think he's had three or four sacks in the last two weeks, which is good. Um, But you're just not seeing consistency right now. I think they're getting beat a lot 
um, in the run. I think they do find one half in the second half. You're not seeing that. Um, and then I, but I think too, the, just the secondary in general is, is pretty tough. Obviously, you know, in regards to the Jamie Collins trade, he's not going to be playing in the secondary, but he might be able to help a little bit there. Yeah, and, and getting to Collins, like, how do you think he fits in with this defense? Like, what sort of role do you see him playing? I mean, we just heard from David about how when Collins was allowed to just rely on his athleticism and freelance a bit, he could make some great plays when he was tasked with reading, reacting, couldn't quite be up to snuff. Do you think he can fit in that sort of freelancer role for this Browns defense? I think so. I think uh, when uh, Hugh Jackson had a quote today that said um, they know – that he is more of a freelance guy and they think that they that they'll have a spot for him like where he'll fit specifically in this defense i mean um you know i think that you know you have him listed as an outside linebacker but like dave talked about he's really good at blitzing the a gap um he can play that coverage like middle linebacker i think somewhere where he'll come in and definitely improve is in obvious passing situations um when you see the browns really like to drop down to a four-man front outside like they you know they run their base three four they like to jump drop down into a four-man front put emmanuel agba down there on the line and then take the other linebacker off the field i think you see demario davis and kirksey do the best they can in the coverage there i think jamie collins provides an opportunity to um, improve the pass coverage from the linebackers by putting him in there for Demario Davis. Now in the base three, four, um, I think he would be probably fit for like the outside linebacker to be a pass rusher. Um, I talked a little bit offline with Dave about that. He, you know, he said he, he wasn't asked to do that for new England, but he did do that in college a little bit. Um, I think that's an opportunity for him to help him uh, just continue to improve the pass rush for the Browns. You know, and obviously another layer to this trade is what Cleveland's going to do with him sort of when his contract is up. What do you think the prospects are for Cleveland sort of signing Collins to a long-term deal? Do you think that's the road they're going to look to go down? Yeah, I don't think you trade a third round pick for a guy that you're only planning on having for half a season to maybe a season and a half, especially considering you're looking at an 0-8 record. They didn't bring him in to turn around and win one game this year. So, yeah, so I think think they made this trade fully knowing that they're going to make a run um, at him. And so if you look at... I, mean, I think everyone, you know, they look at the Browns like, oh, they got a ton of cap space. They can do that. They do. Um, you know, you look right now. So in 2016, you've got $47.6 million in cap. 2017, before you even talk about, you know, any rollover or any adjustments, you're looking at $57.6 million. So you've got $105 million in cap space next year alone that you can deal with. Um they have the space. I think that you need to be smart about it, though, because there's plenty of guys that you're going to want to be re-signing as the years go on. Now, let's spin this forward a little bit. Let's say Cleveland does you know, make a move. They do re-sign Collins. How do you think bringing him back into the fold on a longer-term deal might impact their strategy going forward? I mean, this is a team that still has some holes. There's obviously a question mark at the quarterback spot. They'll have a high draft pick right now. They're picking number one next year. How do you think that the Collins potential sign in long-term would impact their long-term strategy? I I still think 
I, I don't expect them to be big players in free agency other than maybe making a splash with Jamie Collins. I think the big thing, you know, you're looking immediately at these guys that are going to be um, up for free agency in 2017 on the Browns. You're talking about guys like Terrell Pryor, who, you know, he I, they've made it clear that they want to try to extend him. So if you run into an issue where you can't get either of them extended and you only have one franchise tag, who do you choose between those guys? Um, Isaiah Crowell. I think is a big guy that they want to probably try to bring back, especially how well he's doing. And of course, you know, ITP's favorite Dan Vitale is up for free agency at the end of this year. So got to keep him in mind. Um, So I think what you do, though, you've seen them. You've seen the Browns collect all these draft picks. They had 14 draft picks this past season depending on the number of compensatory picks they're expecting for, I think they're going to have 13 or 14 picks again. And then even looking forward to 2018, they are already in line for at least nine draft picks before you get into compensatory picks. I think you're going to continue to see them build through the draft, but now they have this kind of flexibility. They have the cap space to make make a big splash with a guy like Jamie Collins. So, I, yeah, I fully expect them to, to at least uh, make him a pretty serious offer. Now, I know he talked about Von Miller money. Um, I don't know. You know, Dave Dave might be the one to answer this. If he's worth Von Miller money, I mean, I don't know if anybody's worth Von Miller money outside of, obviously, Von Miller. Um, but, I, you know, I, I looked at the numbers of his contract, and I looked at – what the Browns are looking at as far as like re-signing guys. And really, I mean, you can you can give him a pretty sizable contract, him being uh, Jamie Collins, obviously. And you're not really too worried until you start getting into the 2019-2020 seasons because that's when you're starting to have guys like Duke Johnson and Danny Shelton, you know, in 2019, they're coming up for their second contract. And then 2020 is when you're going to have every one of the, all of those draft picks from last year coming up for their contract, uh, their second contract. So, it's going to be interesting to see. I would expect them to go pretty hard at at Jamie Collins, but I still wouldn't expect that to change their approach in free agency because I don't. I didn't expect them to really make a big run at anybody else in free agency. I don't think that's going to be their um, their game plan. Dave, let's spin that question to you. Jamie Collins is he worth Von Miller money in your mind? Yeah, I don't. I don't know if any uh, if any non quarterback is worth more than i don't know you know once you start getting into those tens of millions a, a year it starts compromising to build out the rest of your team so but i mean i could see him being a guy who maybe at the low end of that is, is worth that and I, I certainly with the picture of the cap uh situation that mike painted it seems like you could structure a contract so that you know maybe you're paying him a pretty good chunk over the next few years and then at the point where you're looking at 2019 you position it so that at that point it's a deal that you can either move on from or restructure pretty easily all good stuff guys um want to thank both michael nuttle dave archibald for coming on we'll see what the browns do with jamie collins going forward and where the patriots go from here with their defense um folks thanks for listening to this edition of the quick kicks podcast we'll be back tomorrow with an all-new edition until then please check out the work on inside the and follow us on twitter at it pylon thanks again and we'll be back next time with a fresh edition of inside the pylons quick kicks podcast <laughs>